No, I don't want to do it like that. Okay. Do we want to do it like that? I don't know. We can try it. All right. Go for it. Welcome to Perfectly Qualified. A show where us, a young couple in their second year of marriage. From the safety of our parents' basement. Answer questions from you, the listener. Those curious about how to make their relationships and marriages and the strange flirting situations even better. I like it. I like it very much. Because you know we all got them like ships. Those are real. We all do. Even us. Every once in a while, I'll have my own like ship of sorts. Many a times has she come home from work and mentioned the strange and beautiful anime boy that graced her teller window at the place of her employment. I don't think I've had any cartoons come in lately, but, you know, that's cool. Babe, it's not a cartoon. It's anime. You of all people should know that. (laughs) I don't watch it. You do. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> All right. I say we should get into a couple questions. A couple cues. We should do a cue. Would you like to do a cue with me? Sure. Well, Sounds well. like we're about to do something real bad. I I'll love it. Pull up the cue. All right. Uh, so our the f- first question in cue is. <laughs> All right. You take this one. The first question is from Amy. Podcast. And it includes the words of. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Re- re- okay. The first question of the podcast <laughs> Absolutely nailing it with the question asking vernacular. Please, please continue. I'm, I'm on yes. the edge of my seat. I love this. You are on the floor currently. So, what are the words that contain inside of this question? What qualifies you as the finest relationship expert? Okay, wait, hold on. <laughs> Let is me this, finish. Okay. Is, is this an attack? If you want me to ask the question, I'm going to say the entire one. So, what qualifies you as the finest relationship expert? Can you really only, oops, you can really only be an expert in the relationship you are in. And few of us reach that before we are done. Done with what? <laughs> like, what I want to know is what you constitute as done. Like, I feel like this like, question is coming at us pretty, pretty, pretty heavy and harsh. Aggressive much? First of all, what do you mean what qualifies us as the finest relational expert? Have you not read the title of the podcast? It's perfectly qualified. Declare and it shall be done. Amen. Says the king of Egypt. <laughs> oh, I've had that prince written. of Egypt throwback. Let it, be, let it be done. It's a deep cut into my childhood. What a good what a good flick. What a good good un- Uh yeah, something you should know about me is I do love good good flicks. <laughs> uh next question. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> First of all, I honestly um, don't think we are the best relationship expert. I think that we are doing this because we want to. And um, I don't... Ex- <laughs> Let's move on to the next question. Our next question comes from Mike and Nicola. Uh, I hear this lovely young couple is currently... Engaged! Engaged and uh, ready to be married in October. Congrats, guys. Very exciting. Good job. You did it. You're about almost, to do it. Almost. You're about to do it. Um, oh, God. Uh, they ask, how do you incorporate a new norm as a couple? For example, individually, you each had a norm, a specific way of doing things, a certain way of processing, also of thinking about things. What dynamics do you see in the process of now corporately coming together, developing a new norm? So what do I think about this question? I think um, for one... The fact that you're thinking this deep into how it's going to be is kind of cool. Not a lot of people think about this. Secondly, I I, I do want to unpack um, kind of kind of what it means to bring a norm 
into a relationship because this is a good um a really important concept to consider as you are dating someone considering with being being with them long term um your normal is going to be their normal your normal is going to be their normal and the reality is you both grew up in two separate households had two completely different lives and are now together with two very different presuppositions of the world and those things are going to collide um so sometimes very fast and very violent and furious and um sometimes it will be more like a marshmallow hitting another marshmallow and then there's going to be some like poof of that sugar yeah that's a really good analogy okay so, so take take us for example yes me who has um six siblings um, our family is very loud, very rambunctious. We all like to spend time with each other. We are all up in each other's space 100% of the time. Um, and if there's something on our mind, you will know because it's on our mind and therefore we are putting it on everyone else's mind within a two mile radius. Yes. Very much communication. Very much. Ve- very communication all the time. And then whereas you... I, I yes, I'm I'm very different. I do come from kind of a big family too. I have four siblings. However, uh, the ages are spaced apart in a way. Um, I don't know I, w- whether it was the dynamics of our relationship or the amount of kids that we had or when we had them. Um, my family is very privacy oriented, um, and therefore Direct opposite. Of therefore, my family. I'm very privacy oriented. I like having my space. I like having my. Um, I don't know, man, like I'll, I'll come home from a day of work and I'll tell you some things that I did if you ask. Shayla will come home from work and she'll tell me everything that happened before I have the chance to say hello. I'll be like, dude, guess what happened? And then this happened and then she just said this and then this is what I did. And this was really cool and also this sucked. And then I'll probably laugh and cry and and experience a whole color wheel of emotion before realizing that I haven't been like, hi, babe. But I'm also a man, that, a man that's had a day and has some feelings as well. So it, it actually provides, um, if, if, if this, these two norms go unaddressed, there's a really good chance that I, as a privacy-oriented person um, or someone who's not really uh, apt to to be impulsively forthright with like with like what's going on through my day unless I'm asked I'll feel uncared for and if I'm not receptive to what she's saying and I'm feeling uncared for she's going to be speaking feeling as though I'm not listening to her and uh not really caring about her day at all um and not engaging with her so that then it creates a disconnect so those two norms it's 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 hugely important that those things are discussed and understanding is is brought forth so that there's not like unspoken expectations on um some like how i expect you to speak to me when you come home i think when we first started our relationship um no i think i'd skip to when we first got married and we started living every day together um i would come home to josiah every single day and this is first when we started having to, you know, handle this, handle this issue, which wasn't necessarily an issue so much as a clash of the norms, just like Nicola said. Um, one thing I really appreciated about you was that 
you were able to analyze what was going on and address it. So you came to me and were like, hey, this is how I feel when you come and when you come home and you also bring a basket full of things that you pour on the table thought wise. Like think of a basket with a bunch of bunnies on it and they're all having their own trail. I know, deep dive. And you just dump the basket of bunnies on the table and they all run all over the place. Yet again, another really good analogy. (laughs) You just let me know like, hey, this is how it makes me feel. And for me to feel loved and cared for, this is what I need. And that definitely did not immediately change my outlook on what I do when I come home. I definitely still come home and sometimes dump a bunch of bunnies on... But the counter. You you need to at times. Like that that is, it, it's important to have understanding going both ways. Um, we can't just fully lean into, um, being slow and how are you and how are you because then you're going to be missing out on the way that you personally process emotion. Yeah. There's days where you need to come home, collapse on top of me, and perfectly interrupt everything that I'm doing. Like, oh, you're playing a video game. Not anymore. Listen to my day. <laughs> Not anymore. Because this was a bunch of balonky. Yeah. Um, but I think the more communication that happens with like, hey, this is where I'm at. And I know commonly this is not where you're at. But right now, this is what I'm at. This is what I need. I know. Super clear. But I think the more communication and the more open that we are when we talk to each other about those things is um, very effective. Yeah, I think in um, like in, in in conclusion, just talk about those norms. Make sure they're addressed. Yeah. I guess let the other person know what your expectations are, even if those expectations need to change. Talk about them. That's a really good, easy answer to <laughs> the twenty minutes of processing that we've just had. <laughs> we made it. We made it. So, next question: How do you prepare to speak what, to who's your who's asking? Who's asking this good question? I am asking this good question. Well, who? Oh, who submitted right. the text that you are reading to ask this question. So this question. question is from Kylie and Joe. Shout out to Kylie and Joe. Been married longer than us. Um, how do you prepare to speak to your significant other before you go to them for something that could end up being an argument? What steps and mindset is best to have when you are confronting? And how do you cope with being confronted in a healthy building way? First of all, when you first start dating somebody, you usually find out what their favorite food is. So you, mm. when you're going to confront them, you just go out and you buy that favorite food and you wrap it in like a confrontation package. Amen. And you're like, yep. okay, here's this confrontation package. This is a present you get. Um, and then you just keep that food in between you while you're talking and it will it will seriously work magic. Honestly, yeah. Just buy them things they like every time you need to confront them on something. So that the next time you buy them something they like, they're going to be afraid of you. (laughs) What? (laughs) What's happening? What What did I do wrong? Yeah. That makes Christmas really fun. Oh, no. I actually really like this question because um, growing up, I could not confront anyone worth my salt. Um, (laughs) I don't know if that's... You're worth a lot of salt. I could not confront anyone. I would get really stressed out um, and I would I would just be high strung by the time I got to them. And, you know, it might be a small thing to where I could just walk up them, to them and be like, hey, you left poop 
hanging out in the toilet. Why did he not flush in? Like, that's gross. Definitely. Can we clarify? <laughs> Can we clarify that this isn't me you're talking about, please? <laughs> this specifically is, like, not to name names. Not to name names. Yes. Jo- <laughs> Josiah, my sweet, sweet baby. That's definitely not him. Thank you. Okay. But th- the question is asked in an interesting way. You know, living in your parents' basement, a lot of crap happens. Nice. <laughs> This question is asked in an interesting way. Um, how do you how do you prepare to speak to your significant other before you go to them for something that could end up being an argument? I think I think what this speaks to is um, kind of needing to reformat the way that you have confrontational conversations because if they are consistently ending up in arguments, then there is some dissonance like there's an underlying communication issue that needs to be taken care of i agree so you you need to kind of understand and talk together about communication you know it's funny i I feel like a lot of our um dating relationship was talking about talking i remember being like really um like meta conversation about how we conversated like like um and it's it's really important conversations to have i think i think a lot of confrontation ends up in arguments because someone says, oh, hey, you did this. You took my cheeses. You didn't even care about me. You ate them all, and then you left the box on the floor. What a terrible human being. And when it more needs to be like, when you took my cheeses, this is how it made me feel. Right. That, like, that, that's a really important distinction. Like I'm, I'm taking full responsibility, and I'm completely confident in how this situation made me feel. I don't have to feel ashamed about it, and I want you to know what happened made m- me feel this way. Because I'm not trying to, you know, guilt you, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad for what you did. I need you to understand. This is how I'm feeling, and this is the result of what you did. And that gives them the freedom to respond without needing to defend themselves. Because, like, you don't need to defend yourself if someone else is telling you how they feel. Right. And it's it's always trust over suspicion. Never approach a conversation. And th- this is something that I'm hugely gu- guilty of. I can be a cynic. Honestly, <laughs> Shayla is probably, like, uh, one of the kindest and, and purest of motive people that I know. And... And still, and, and, and the reality is she doesn't, she's not in my brain. She doesn't understand the way that I think. She doesn't always know what I want or what I expect, nor should she try to co- like, like conform to what I, I want or expect from her. And so when there's a certain thing that I feel like I need and she isn't meeting it, or when there's something that she does that really just like pisses me off and frustrates me, it's really deadly for me to approach the situation and assume her her as like having nefarious motives against me. Or, for or, one, I don't even know what nefarious <laughs> means. <laughs> um, ba- bad, bad motives. Bad, bad motives. Like, like. Oh yeah, right. You know me and my bad, bad motives. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like. So, so, for instance, going back to Shayla comes home and she immediately starts talking about her day. It's so easy in my mind to assume that she doesn't care about my day. She doesn't care about what happened. 
there'll be some days where I'll go into this emotional zone where she's just talking about her thing and I'll zone out and be like, man, I had such a hard day and she like, she's not even thinking about me. She doesn't care about me when in reality, she's just in a position where she wants to talk about her day and I'm feeling the need to talk about mine. And so when I approach this situation from uh, kind of in confrontation, I'll say, hey, I didn't feel as though you cared. I don't know if you cared or not. I, I, like, I want you to clarify that you're the expert on your motives. But I, I feel as though you didn't care. And I felt unheard. I felt uncared for. And then further, here's what I need next time. Oh, yeah. That is super helpful. Like, being, I, I know this is super tough. Well, at least it's tough for me. But so the first step, I think, is being being vulnerable with how something something makes you feel but also giving some constructive like uh this is how you could do it better next time not like I you have to do this or else I'm gonna be mad no like for me to feel safe and for me to feel valued for me to feel you know cared for this is what I need next time um and it doesn't have to be like you have to do this every single time but no, because the other person, like, like Shayla cares about my feeling cared for. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. And and she's she's not always going to get it perfect. She's not always going to do the thing that I need at that moment that I haven't talked about. But, like, it's important to say, listen, for me to feel cared for, like, this is the way that I receive love. This is the way that I receive care. Here's how you can t- contextualize your words for me to really receive it. One last thing before we move on is... If confrontations commonly end up in arguments, one thing that I have found is if I'm confident in what I'm bringing forward, then I don't have to argue about it. I don't have to argue about whether it's right or not because I know it's right because it's right for me and I know what I need. If I am almost being argued out of me believing in what I need, then that puts me in a very uncomfortable emotional space. And that's when I start getting into fight or flight mode where I start freaking out, being like, no, he doesn't understand. He's not going to he's not going to change anything. I'm always going to be stuck in this uncomfortable space. But I just need to stay calm and and continue to be confident in the fact that what I'm bringing forward is valuable. So how do you retain confidence? If you if you if you bring me something, if you bring me a need, and I'm not receptive to it, how do you help me hear it? I tell you, you need to listen to me. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> bring it on, brother. I tell you, you need to listen to me because I'm bringing forth some. I'm I am bringing forth a goblet of truth. <laughs> I shall bring a goblet of truth, and you shall drink of it, and, and your you- innards shall be changed by the power of the truth goblet. <laughs> If you ain't drinking from my truth goblet, then you ain't validating what I'm saying. Mm. Like, get out of your, get out of your. But listen, shit. Like, if your <laughs> truth goblet tastes like cherry, and I don't like cherry, I want a raspberry. Well, then you're just gonna have to get used to the fact that you married someone with a cherry fruit goblet. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so we are moving on to a. Mid segment of the show called Bad Advice. Bad Advice. Now I do the high one, you do the low one. Bad Advice. 
Okay, try that again. One more time. <laughs> that broke Three, me. Two, no, it was, one. It was perfect. And it was perfect and set in stone. <laughs> Let's move on. So this is the segment of the podcast where we address bad advice, either advice that we've been given or advice that you, the listeners, have submitted. If you have been given some bad advice, please tell us about your story. The um, full story. Send it in. Uh, we will give you a, um, uh, a connection point to send those uh, advice and questions for the podcast in. Uh, but let's move on to. We will also give you a good pat on the back. We'll give you one, we will give you one or two good pats on the back, and any one place you want. <laughs> but not the booty, but not, or any of the other special places. Yeah, not the buns or special places. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good segment (laughs) okay shit so this bad advice is a story of my own um not of your own making not of my own making certainly not because i i boy i hate this advice i've i've received it a number of times specifically pre-marriage um i got this a lot especially when I would talk about the fact that I was getting married, the fact that I was engaged to someone, um, uh, uh, that was, I remember there was, was me just no, clearing things up. It, clearing things it up. It wasn't that person. You oh, were engaged oh, I, to? I was engaged to you. Yes. You I obviously do have to clear this up. Correct. Um, uh, so I received this advice. Uh, I was, um, working, at a restaurant and um a a, a young boy uh, he was i don't know i mean two or three years younger than me i think i was what 21 at the time he was probably around 19 18 funny redneck kind of kid he would he would say this to me all the time anytime i talked about shayla anytime i talked about the fact that i was getting married he would look me in the eyes and he would say happy wife happy life man (laughs) god no dude (laughs) I'm not even married, and I know that's not okay. L- it's like, let's... bad advice. Like, okay, seriously, I understand the spirit of the question. Like, if 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 you're in a symbiotic relationship where you're like loving each other, your your life will be better, right? If you're in a marriage relationship and it's full of love, yes, your life will be better. However, happy wife, happy life is so frustratingly. Um, uh, misdirected. It almost takes on the assumption that my whole um, interest and re- focus in our relationship should be to please every need and desire of my wife. Therefore, I can feel a sense of accomplishment and success in the relationship, which yes. is absolute crap. Bring me a fan and some grapes. Yeah, like, like it it is it is such a beautiful thing to be um, selflessly attentive to another person's needs and desires and surprise them with with gifts and moments that speak to your love and affection for the other person. However, if the said wife me has this idea that if they are not pleased, they will make your life a living hell. That's just destruction from the get-go. That is a manipulative devil woman, if I've ever heard of one. Mm, manip- yes, yes. Talking manipulative devil women. Also, there have been plenty of times where I have been quote-unquote happy, and yet things have needed to change 
in order for me to be thriving, in order for me to succeed in my life. Maybe I'm a little bit complacent that week or that month. Maybe I am not going after my goals. Maybe I am outwardly happy, but I need to, you know, go through some processing and go through some conflict resolution before Josiah and I can truly be connected in a more powerful way. Yeah. Or at times you may be feeling a huge amount of success and love and like power. And theoretically, I could feel very uh, crushed and powerless and unloved. Like it's, it's a two way street. It can't just go one way. It's not about happy wife, happy life. It's about how do you manage an open connection of consistent, like considering how the other person can be loved. And in reality, like if I'm not feeling as though my if if I'm not feeling as though my love needs are being met or if if I'm feeling neglected, I can speak those things. And it's important that I speak those things. And I think a lot of men in particular can neglect their own needs in service of their their woman's needs yeah, for whatever reason. It, like it, maybe it feels like success. Maybe it feels like you're doing something right, but it's not right. You You, you can't be. Uh, crushed under the, the needs of another person. You're just as complex and emotional as the other person is. True that man. True that man. And this concludes the segment of Bad Advice. Bad Advice. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. I think we need another question. All right. Uh, this question is from Jonathan. Podcast. What rules and principles should I follow if I want to ruin a relationship? Then do the opposite. Well, Jonathan... Are you in the habit hmm. of going around and telling people the bad advice? I, all right, hold up. This should just be another part of the segment of bad advice. <laughs> Dear Jonathan, we've already finished our bad advice segment. Um, I'd appreciate it if you would um, ask some questions that weren't so nefarious. Or should I say bad, bad. <laughs> bad, bad. So I can understand. Yes. I think uh, a couple things if you want to ruin ruin a relationship, is um, egg their parents' house. That's a good way to end something. Yeah. Maybe tell them that you have four nipples instead of two. (laughs) Another thing is, is to find out their favorite snack. Hold on. And then search for it in their house and eat all of it. I guess I just want to go back because I feel like the thing I said before may actually be... um, uh, an improvement to some relationships um, and I guess I just I don't want it to come off as good advice because I feel like if someone truly does have four of them um, I think a doctor should be seen <laughs> I mean that's just me like I, I don't know like maybe that's what you're like I don't mean to kink shame <laughs> you know um, but let's be clear if four nips then doctor <laughs> that's the equation um I think another way to uh, ruin a relationship is to inform the person that you are in a relationship with that you want to ruin the relationship. <laughs> mm. You know, see, that's like a really clear, like, really clear, direct and to the point um, uh, way of going about this very question. Another way to ruin the relationship is to bury yourself in sand. Yeah, but like not so much sand that it's like violent. Like not like, <laughs> and then you're just like yeah, yeah, yeah. underneath it, the sand, and you're like, Ooh, you're right. If it does turn into but no one can hear you, then it's really too much. Yeah. Um, but like some sand, 
like enough sand to like really make people wonder like <laughs> how of much of a wild boy is he like enough it, sand for it be for it to be hard for your significant other to connect with you mm, emotionally and physically definitely <laughs> like they have to dig they have to dig if they want to hug <laughs> And and also you can't be a sand lion if you're going to use that method because mm. sand lions usually dig in sand and bury themselves in sand for 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 normal for normal. Yeah, cuz if you're just doing it for normal then how are you going to get the attention that you truly deserve? So anyway, Jonathan, I really hope that answers your question. Um we're going to go ahead and move on to the next question. This is coming from uh Nathan and Callie Weeks. Thank you guys for sending in your question. They ask, "What do you think makes the difference between spending time together and actually connecting? That's a good dang question, man. In this world of phones and media, how can you really cut through the thick butter that's just floating around in the air and lock eyes with your spouse? A couple a couple options are actually from a book I read recently. Well, a book my brother read and told me about is that if you join hands and you stare into your significant other's eyes, you will truly feel the connection that you've been craving. So that's a good option. I don't think Josiah likes this option. Uh, Yeah, well, okay. For you listeners out there, if you are familiar with uh, a little thing called love languages, if you are, great. If not, you should be. Love languages are huge. There are essentially five ways of receiving love, to put it simply. Um, it's e- Each person has kind of a primary love language. Just like I have a primary language of speaking English. My secondary language is Pig Latin, and that is less appreciated when people talk to me. Mm-hmm. I can still understand it, but... English is way easier, and I feel much more fulfilled when speaking. Please send in your dimes and dollars now um, for uh, Shayla to learn a better secondary language like than Pig Latin. Like, like anything, literally anything. <laughs> Any of the other languages that are real. So, love languages. Primarily, my first love language is quality time. So, your focus and attention in the time that you're spending with me speaks huge 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 volumes to me uh when we're together um another love language is physical touch another love language is words of affirmation which is just saying loving kind encouraging words affirming things and traits about a person and and everybody receives love in a different way primarily um typically everyone has all of them and can receive them all um i recommend doing some research um, Read the book if you can. You can usually find it at your nearest thrift store. Thrift store. Indeed, I feel like this question is primarily relevant for those with the uh, uh, primary love language quality time, because there is a difference between just spending time together and truly connecting. If I go and get dinner with you, and you spend the drive there texting on your phone, and when we're at the restaurant, you see a friend that you knew and you have a you know, 15-minute conversation with them 
and uh, you are kind of distracted throughout the meal because you know you you are looking on Instagram, or whatever. Like to to some, that's not really a big deal, but specifically to people who are quality time people, like that's huge. That's everything. I feel incredibly unloved if if that was the kind of date that I go on. You know, a lot of times, like even even when we're doing chores, going to the grocery store, like me and Shayla will be in between locations. We're going to the store, and she's texting. And there's times where I I, I and it's not all the time, but no. at times I'll have to ask her, like, "Can you stop? Because I kind of need like this moment to connect with you." We both just got off work. We haven't connected yet, and I I can't be in this like robotic grind. Like I need some quality time. I think an important thing, too, is to analyze the situation. And if you feel like you're not connecting, bring it up to your significant other and let them know that you would like more of something, even if you don't have words for it yet. You just be like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. I need some more. Um, Maybe I need to sit closer to you and we need to hold hands. Or maybe I'm just feeling kind of down and out and I need some encouragement. It is important that you stay aware of your needs as well as how they are filling them because most of the time your significant other is not going to read your mind. Yeah. If you have a need, talk about it. Yeah. If you feel like you're missing something or the other person isn't loving you in the way that they should, talk about it. They may not know. They don't feel what you feel sometimes. They don't think what you think. And... Actually, connecting is going to look different for everybody. So if... That's true. So if it looks way different for your significant other than it does for you, they got to know what it looks like for you. Just to clarify for anybody who's interested, the five love languages are quality time, which is the best one, (laughs) physical touch, words of affirmation, gifts. Which is not just giving gifts. You can guess if it's mine. (laughs) Not just giving things, but giving thoughtful, timely expressions of love. Yeah. I My lowest is gifts. Shayla's almost highest is gifts. And the last one. Acts of service. Next question. Next question. We said the next question is, and the next question is from Mr. Kylie and Joe. Again, thank you, Kylie and Joe, for all of your questions. How can couples agree on and set up a regular list of home chores and be kind when they aren't fulfilled? Something that was suggested to me was a cool laminated weekly list with check boxes you can mark with dry erase markers to keep yourself accountable. But what about each other? Oh man, I gotta say, the laminated checkbox with dry erase markers certainly sounds like something you would be interested in. (laughs) But it sounds like something I would never, ever, ever do. I think there, like, if you're looking for ideas on how to keep track of things like that, definitely use your resources. Go to Pinterest. Go to craft books. Go to your friends and family and see what they've done. I know for me, keeping a neat and tidy home is something that I'm very passionate about. I went from being a high schooler and having every nook and cranny in my room filled to the brim to now being a woman in her second year of marriage and owning probably less than I ever have. 
But it, I, I feel like the, the, the real question to address here isn't just like, it's not just about how do we clean or how do we create processes that are efficient for cleaning, but it really comes down to communication. Like, how do I approach you and say, hey, we said that we would do, we would take turns doing the dishes every single day, but you keep not doing it. So, and, and I don't know how to not feel like a dick. Like, I, I don't know how to not be the bad guy. I don't know how to not be like consistently be the one that's nagging. Like, like, how do you have those conversations where you set a standard and a precedence for uh, cleanliness and then keep the other person accountable? Because it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's hard to be the person who is doing it effectively and consistently. Or maybe neither of you are doing it effectively and consistently. And how do you, like, stay in that rhythm? How do you encourage and how do you keep each other in that healthy zone? What's interesting is when we first got married, one of the first fights, quote-unquote fight, um, we had was we were both upset about how clean we were keeping the house. And I had absolutely no idea on how to confront. And I remember sitting on my bed just being angry, looking at the floor, and just squeaking out like, I'm mad, everything's dirty all the time. And I did not do it very effectively, but it also brought up that Josiah was also not happy about how it was, how we were keeping things clean. Yeah, she particularly was frustrated with the room. I was frustrated with the island. There were two like different zones that was really important for us to have clean. She'd always come home, throw her stuff on the island, her keys, her bag, and then I would always, you know, take out my clothes, throw it on the floor, and get into bed like like never pick them up again (laughs) so i I think we both have a fairly similar standard of cleaning within our home we both have an understanding that a clean home lends itself to a peaceful home if you can be in it without being surrounded by a chore or something that's like begging for your attention like i need to be cleaned we both understand that that provides peace inside of a home I also think that if you are clear with the expectations whenever you're setting that up, whether it be right as you're getting married or 10 months in or 10 years in, if you are both committed to it, then you can hold your spouse to their commitment, just like you are holding them to their commitment of being married to you. It has to be a conversation you have together. It can't be like, hey, this is how the house is. You need to do this. It's like, like, what really is our standard together? What do we really both want for this house? Because at times, someone may want the grace to be able to come home late at night from work and um, leave some things undone. And, and maybe that's important. So it's like, okay, so, so it's a matter of reframing how you clean the house. We do it in the morning. Or we do it at a time that's really best and convenient for both of us. How can we both feel pleased and taken care of? How can it feel clean? How can it also feel like there's grace in the house for... There's just some nights when it can't happen. And that's a reality. Or some mornings when I don't get up early enough and I just leave without cleaning up after breakfast. Right. I think there always has to be a healthy balance of grace and really buckling down and doing the hard thing. If it's helpful, write it down in a conversation together. I, I, I like to do this a lot. 
open up a Word document. We, we do this mainly like with our finances and like really defining how we spend our money. Um, but it can also work with um, chores and how the house stays clean. If it's a real issue, uh, if it's a real point of contention, open up a Word document. You write down, this is how clean the house is, but also write down, this is the level of grace that we have. This is what's important to both of us. This is the purpose of the house. Maybe it's the, the purpose of the house is hosting people. Maybe it's just achieving peace together, home alone. Maybe it's a place of, uh, of work that changes into a place of rest at night. You have to define what the house is for, and you have to have clear expectations for each other. They can't go unspoken. Because unspoken expectations are like little knives mm. on Lego pieces mm. on the floor at night right when you wake up and need to use the bathroom. Yeah. Next question. What are 10 easy, practical ways to love your spouse? Uh, this question also comes from Kylie and Joe podcast. Thank you guys for bringing it strong <laughs> this first episode. Make sure not to pour water on them at night. Number one. Yeah, that is definitely, that is that is number one. Um, that's really been um, a real serious issue in our marriage and our relationship as a whole. Um, sometimes we get into water fights and she hurts my feelings because she goes a little overboard, <laughs> overboard in her a payback. She does go overboard in her payback. That That is real. <laughs> number two, um, I definitely feel like it's really important to wear really sexy clothing. Number three, I think, uh, I feel like you should do number three. <laughs> yes, some good, good clothes. Number three is um, practically don't leave your poop hanging out in the toilet. You always mm, got to flush. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, n- number four is when you wrestle understand that sometimes there needs to be a cutoff point and the other person needs to say i'm done before it turns into violence and pain <laughs> some some of you out there relate with that some of you might be a little unsettled by that but that's that could be real um i forgot we're on five we're on five okay so number five is um if you have a crazy plant lady wife challenge her on how many plants she has if she really cares about them, because if she doesn't care about them and they're taking up space, then um, they would be happier in a different home and I would be happier in my home. Number six. Number six. If you have a husband who is highly introverted and sometimes has a tendency for social anxiety when he's in a place of weakness, have grace and teach them how to have fun. Some nights. It's just a matter of, hey, let's go to a restaurant. It's going to be fun. We're going to have an adventure. You can trust me. And number seven, if your husband happens to like back rubs, just give him a back rub. Wow. Number eight, if you're in charge of meal planning and meal preparation, don't just always make pasta and spaghetti. That's just bread with sauce. And that's just carbs. That does not make my tummy feel super good. Mm Mm-hmm. Not all the time. Give me number nine. Okay, babe, you got it. Number nine. Specifically look for things that your spouse is doing that are interesting, funny, or kind to other people. Not necessarily you. And compliment them on it. It will let them know that you are being intentional 
and observing the good things about them, which always makes someone feel nice. Number 10. Always, always have a mutual understanding that you are for each other. Even when shit hits the proverbial fan. That is a good one. You are for each other. Yes. Even when it's tooth and claw, we are always moving towards connection. We're always moving towards intimacy. That is the end goal. That is, that's a pretty good end goal, if you, if you ask me. It's a pretty good end answer, too. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this good podcast. Send all of your good questions or bad advice with applicable stories to perfectlyqualifiedpodcast at gmail.com, and we might include them in our next upcoming episode. It's okay. I'll, I'll put music in. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye now. Bye.